Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Filter. On this show, we recognize that the world can be a confusing place to live in. And so what I seek to do on this show is to equip you to live with biblical clarity in our confusing world so that you can face the chaos of life with wisdom, integrity, and courage. Every Christian should endeavor to be the best steward of his life that he can be. We ought to honor God with our souls, worship, possessions, and our body. Stewardship of our body includes not just resisting sinful temptations, but also treating it well with healthy habits. I've discovered that one of the best ways to learn about caring for our bodies well is by learning it from the people who do it the best. That's why I'm glad to welcome Brandon Luckett to the show to discuss fitness, health, and how caring for our bodies can aid our walk with God. Brandon Luckett is a medical physicist and CrossFit athlete. He has been a a competitive CrossFitter for nearly 10 years and has competed in the CrossFit Games three times. He also helps others in their fitness journey through the EMOM Company, a training plan that offers effective workouts for people short on time. Before we get into this conversation, let me encourage you to subscribe to our email list so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. Just click click the link uh, to the show notes in the description below, and you can sign up on my website. Also, be sure that you're subscribed to Filter wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss out on any of the future episodes, and you can get them right on the homepage of wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, if you are helped by this episode or any of our other content here on Filter, we'd greatly appreciate it if you left us a rating and review or shared the show with your friends. Leave Filter a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify, and also write a review on Apple Podcasts. Maybe you take these simple steps, it only takes a minute of your time, but it greatly helps us to get the message of biblical clarity out to more people. Well, without any further delay, let's jump into this conversation that I got to have with Brandon Luckett. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate you for having me on. Yeah, man. Well, glad to have you on here and uh, for you to take the time. You and I got to meet a few weeks ago when we were both competing at Raging Games. So shout out to uh, Raging and Jeremy, Nick, Ashley, everybody over there who put on an amazing event. Uh, Yeah, it was a privilege to get to compete and uh, get to meet you there. Uh, you've got a, a pretty extensive background in sports and fitness. So tell us about that background uh, in your life growing up. Uh, also, before CrossFit, what did you know your athletic life look like? What yeah. sports you play, and then how you got into CrossFit? Yeah, so I got into CrossFit in 2012 or 2013. I was young, um, and so my athletic career before that was just high school sports, you know, middle school sports. Um, I was. I mean, I call myself a wrestler. I mean, I like in middle school, like, I ran track, t-ball, like all, you know, basketball, all that kind of stuff. But whenever I got to high school, like I just kind of zeroed in on wrestling. That's mm-hmm. really all I kind of focused on then. I mean, I don't even think I really focused on academics in high school. Um, but that was my sport. Uh, I loved the like the mental and physical grind that it required. I loved the discipline it required. You know, the having to pay attention to your body weight, having to pay attention to what you eat, the, you know, the necessity to be flexible, to be fast, be powerful, to have endurance. Um, like, that was just very attractive to me, and I loved that kind of feeling that it gave me. But um, after high school, I got into kind of CrossFit by way of my brother. 
Um, I had decided not to wrestle in college. Uh, I wasn't really good enough to go to any good D1 schools. I could have gone and wrestled, but it wasn't anything that was going to take me anywhere past college, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And so I just simply decided to um, take a step back from that and focus on academics, getting a physics degree. I knew that was going to be pretty challenging, especially considering like I finished high school with like a you know three point something GPA and in order to get where I needed to go with physics I needed like a three eight or above. So I was mm-hmm. gonna have to change a few things in my life. Um and so sports just wasn't gonna have to it wasn't gonna be able to be that priority anymore. But I, again I had like developed this this like love of discipline um that wrestling gave me. And so I needed to find something to kind of just fill that that void. And my brother was doing CrossFit with his roommate uh, in college and introduced me to a couple workouts. And I just, I really loved, again, that, like, that discipline and that grind and, like, the pain that it brought. But then, like, the satisfaction you felt after. Yeah. So my my intention was never to compete in CrossFit. It was just to do it to stay in shape while I was in college, you know, getting a degree. Um, but you know how that thing goes when you're slightly competitive and you yeah. start, you know, getting a little stronger, getting a little better. And, um, you know, did teams on regionals for a few years and then, uh, got good enough to qualify for individuals in regionals in 2017, um, placed seventh in 2017 and, uh, went back to the drawing board. Just buckled down a little harder, tweaked those things a little more, got a little stronger, qualified for the first one CrossFit Games in 2018. Took a year off to, again, focus on physics in 2019 mm-hmm. um, because I was in grad school uh, trying to study for board exams, prepare for a residency, get into a residency, uh, which would really kind of basically determine the rest of my life if I didn't get, you know, match with a residency. Um all those things just kind of, I felt really spread thin, so I took that year off, uh, moved to Oklahoma. Alexis Johnson texted me one day, uh, September. She said, hey, we're doing a team this year, get ready to compete. I was like, all right. So came back, COVID happened, ended up competing individually again in 2020. And then did one more year in 2021 individually, and once again said, nope, focusing on career. So that's where I'm at kind of at the moment yeah and so uh where are you originally from where did you grow up where'd you go to college yeah i'm from baton rouge louisiana grew up in a little town 45 minutes outside of baton rouge but you know we went to school we went to middle school high school um everything in baton rouge we just lived out in the country uh, which was a great way to grow up um you know it was it was cool being able to walk in my backyard and just have the world at my fingertips, you know, mm-hmm. um, it was like actually where, you know, you'd walk out, you, you'd leave the house at, you know, 9am, you wouldn't get back till 5pm when like, it started getting dark. And so that was awesome, you know, probably a little dangerous, but, um, you know, way too many snakes and critters and coyotes and stuff that we'd cross paths with like yeah. in the woods and whatnot, but really cool way to grow up. Um, you know, my parents kind of instilled like discipline of like hard work, chores, whatnot. Um, we're always expected to, you know, do athletics, expected to do well in school. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a childhood. And then I uh, went to high school in Baton Rouge, 
got to LSU for undergrad, um, did my physics degree at LSU for four years, did my master's at MD Anderson in Houston for two years, and then did residency in Oklahoma for two years. Yeah, very cool. So uh, for that residency, did you get a PhD or was that like a residency after your master's? Yeah, so that was after the master's. For for medical physics, um, I think we're like one of the only board certified non like actually like patient care groups out there. Um, okay. But we have to get we're supposed to get board certified. You don't have to get board certified, but there's a lot of restrictions if you're not. And my dad's a medical physicist. He has a consulting company. That's how I got into what I do. And you know, kind of for me to for best practice for the company and to be able to run it eventually. I need to be board certified. And that residency is a requirement to be eligible for the board exams. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just something that I knew I'd have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, let's go back to your experience as a CrossFit Games athlete. Um, so how many years did you go to the Games? Three. Well, I guess kind of three. 2018 and 2020 or 2021 were the only times I was in Madison. Mm-hmm. Um 2020 was the COVID games. So we did that one at our gyms, which was actually yeah. really special in itself is awesome. Um, I was able to go to like aromas that year and test the events in, for 2020, but I wasn't competing against anybody. So cool. we'll, just, we'll call it. I've been there too, competed three. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> nice. So I didn't know that you had done some of the testing. What was that like? Mm-hmm. That was a really cool experience. Um, yeah, so we went out to Aromas like two weeks before the 2020 games where they just had like the five men and five women go out there during COVID. Yeah. Um, and they just threw us through the whole weekend, start to finish. Um, I think it, I guess it was probably like one of their last runs through the weekend with the athletes, um, like to test things out. And so there wasn't too much that changed from what we did to what the athletes ended up doing to compete. Um, mm-hmm. down to like the times and the locations and everything it was pretty much the same. Yeah. Interesting. How did you get selected for that? No, no idea. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a mistake, honestly. Really? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just scrolling through emails, saw one from the CrossFit games, um, just asking if I'd go to Aromas to test the events. They'd, you know, they'd pay your flight and give you like a little stipend. And I was like, I don't see how I could say no to that, you know? Yeah. Um, I wasn't in shape for it. It was like two or three weeks after we competed at like our home gyms and I was already out of shape. Like it would already let go, (laughs) man. Like, yeah, I mean, going into the games, you kind of just put all the work and you know, all the responsibilities on the back burner so that you can focus on that one thing. Mm -hmm. And then when it's time to focus again, you're like, Oh no, (laughs) everything's kind of just in disarray. So I spent the two weeks like just getting back on track with everything working. And then, went to Roma's, but, um, I have no idea why they picked me, uh, yeah. but not upset about it. Yeah. What was it like, uh, getting to hang out at the ranch and hang out with Dave Castro? Yeah. Um, I mean, the ranch is like kind of just like a mythical thing for most of us. Um, you know, a lot of people can go spectate at, uh, you know, Madison or back when it was in Carson, um, or you like get to go compete, but like the ranch is just something you usually see in like the documentaries and no one really gets to go there. So it was kind of like, I, I maybe cathartic's the the right word for it, but it's like really cool. Um, you're just like, ah, oh, like I get to be here. Like that's that's really special. And so yeah. that in itself was cool. Um, and then working with Dave Castro, like 
the dude paid so much attention to like every single detail the team like he's built or had built around him was phenomenal like they they just knew how to run things and how to test things and how to like squeak out the most out of the potential of the athletes and how to put on a show for for everybody you know mm-hmm. um so that was really cool like they asked questions they asked you know what do you think about this was it too much was it too little like, how's your body feel like they're looking at all that like they yeah. wanted to be a brutal test, but they also have no desire in completely breaking, like the field, you know. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. So, you uh, so out of your years of experience going to the games, you mentioned that you had some other years of uh, going to regionals and doing teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of crossfitters out there who have these dreams of becoming a games athlete or competing at the high levels. So having been there, tell us, like, behind the scenes, what is it like to become a games athlete? Like, what, what does it take? What kind of lifestyle uh, is that like, becoming a games athlete? Yeah. Um, I recently, like, was watching a little video, and it kind of reminded me of, I guess, things I've done. Um, it was like, if you want to be good at something, you do that one thing for a long time. It's like, you don't try to do a bunch of different things all at the same time and just kind of put like segmented focus on all those little things to get really good mm-hmm. at all those little things. And so it's like for CrossFit, it's like kind of consumed my mind for five years. Um, it is what I like devoted a lot of time. Um, and it wasn't just like time in the gym, you know, maybe you train three or four or five hours a day whenever you're like really competing, but there's still 19 hours left in the day. So it like boiled down to, flexibility, recovery, like decreasing inflammation, supplementation, diet, sleep, hydration, um, you know, massage, like spending mo- like spending money on massage therapists and chiropractors and food. And um like it's like every every hour of the day is kind of spent thinking about that one like dream that you have. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like, you know, it's consuming. You'd be sitting in, in class in grad school like running through squat snatches in my brain, like the flow of the movement, like the path of the bar, the way my body would move underneath the barbell. Like I'm in class trying to learn physics and this is what's running through my mind, like yeah. constantly. It's, it's just, which is why I needed to step away from it for sure. Um, like that, especially that individual side of competing, it just is insanely consuming. I was lucky enough to be able to manage the other important aspects of my life and still be able to perform well in school and academics. Um, but at some point, like I couldn't keep having that kind of like obsession with the sport like I had, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's hard to step away from because it's been, like I said, like five years. Yeah. Yeah. You hear that same thing from any other high performing athlete. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, even Rich Froning recently announcing his retirement, from uh from competing for now at least he said he kind of left it open-ended but and citing the same reasons just saying you know i want to be there more for my family and uh you know have his and and not just being there physically but being there mentally you know because i mean he trains at his house basically um and you know uh, well you know we're both from south louisiana so whenever drew Brees retired from uh from the saints same citing the same reason want to be more present and yeah. um, because yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it took to get to the level that those guys got to, to get to the level yeah. you got to. Yeah. And it's, the thing is like, it's 
when we talk about CrossFit, because that's our like the community we're associated with. But it's it's anything that people get really really good at. It becomes consuming in the mind, and so you know if it's your it's your if it's your job, like it's the same thing. Like you're trying to climb that ladder every day, and when you're at home with your family, but you're constantly thinking about like what you need to do for your boss or what you need to do for your business, it's the same thing. It's like you're you're present, but you're not, and that's a struggle um, because I know a lot of times that's kind of how I am, and so that's kind of hard to rationalize and deal with and and adjust so that I am more present. Uh, but you know, we're all just works in progress over here. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of it, uh, you know, 90% or more is really a heart issue more than anything else. It's, it's what do we love? Yeah. And, um, and yeah, we, and, and keeping what we love in the right priority. And I'm not saying that you can't love what you do, whether it be a sport or your career and, you know, reach extremely high levels and, and not also be a good dad and yeah. be a good father. Um, but you still have to keep those things in the right priority so that wherever you're at home, like you're talking about, you can switch gears and that's, that's go back I'm, to what is supposed to be the higher love. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what we're learning is how to flip the switch. You know, when it's time to put family into priority, that's when you flip the switch, you know, yeah. because a lot of times, you know, I've explained it to people before is, a lot of times, no matter where I'm at, I'm thinking about the thing that I'm not with or the thing that I'm not doing. You know, if I'm with family, I'm thinking about CrossFit or, you know, now work. If I'm at school, I'm thinking about CrossFit or family. If I'm at CrossFit, I'm thinking about work and family. Mm-hmm. So it's like those three things that are always pulling you, no matter where I'm at, I'm always thinking about that the other two. Um, and so, I, you know, a, a work in progress trying to learn to whenever I'm with whatever I'm with, I've got to flip the switch and pay attention to that and then move on to the next thing once I'm done. And once I'm done with this thing, I need to actually like put it out of my head. Like, all right, I've already, I've worked however many hours a day. I've done what I can. Thinking about it anymore isn't going to make me any more fruitful, mm-hmm. but paying attention to my wife tonight is going to make our relationship more fruitful. And so yeah. that's what it's time to do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it comes down to focus and, um, yeah, focus, and I think so often what uh, is determining where our focus goes is our heart. We think we think about the mind a lot, but I think it really is like where the mind tends to wander, like the heart is pushing it in that direction beneath yeah. the surface. Um, so back to your years as a uh, years competing and the lifestyle, what that's like. You know, you mentioned training for several yeah. hours a day. But then there's all that other stuff that goes on in the background uh, in the other 19 hours of the day, like you put it. And I think that's some of the really interesting parts, like, um, you know, like diet and nutrition. There's people out there who are trying to figure out, like, what's the right diet to follow, even if they're not a competitive athlete, but just for health. What does the diet of a games athlete look like, at least in your experience? Depends on the part of the season. At, like, the craziest times, it's you know, 4,000, 4,500 calories of food. Um, and a lot of it tries, you know, as, as simple as it can be, you know, simple foods digest the best, uh, good quality foods. Um, you know, it'd be typically if I ran through a whole day, you know, mornings like coffee, cream and sugar, eggs, you know, three or four eggs, egg whites with broccoli slaw, 
you know, bagel, and then an apple or banana or orange or strawberries or blueberries. And then, you know, mid-morning, protein shake, fruit, a fat source, usually like peanut butter, um, lunch, rice, veggies, chicken, simple. You know, uh, train, and then after you train, carbohydrates and protein, dinner, same as lunch, except with a fattier meat, so... And uh, maybe an extra, like, fat source, like avocados or hummus or something like that. But also bigger. So, and then usually it's a little something before I go to bed to keep my stomach full. I mean, there would be nights whenever I was, like, whenever I was training heavy, heavy, um, it, I'd be up at 1 a.m. to eat again because I'd just be waking up starving. I'm not wow. like that anymore. I don't train enough anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd wake up in the middle of the night just to eat. I'd keep like fruit um, pouches on the side of my bed so that I'd I'd wake up, reach over, pop off the top, squeeze two in my mouth, fall back over, go back to sleep. Wow. Like, but like my my stomach would wake me up. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't think it's good to be at that kind of volume all year round. So eating didn't look like that all year round either. Mm -hmm. um, but now I kind of pay attention more to what I'm eating. Um, putting in better quality foods into my, into my body. So, you know, it's still eggs, egg whites, broccoli, you know, broccoli slaw, veggies for breakfast, you know, a couple pieces of grain-free bread, a good bit of um, grass-fed butter and a lot of fruit, um, still fruit and protein in peanut butter midday, still rice and meat and veggies for lunch, still protein and fruit after I train still rice and veggies and red meat for dinner um, yeah so i mean i try to I, I definitely eat less like junk food than i used to um just because i don't need those easy calories as much as i as i did um you know, now i train two hours a day maybe three on if i have time uh and it, like the calorie expenditure is just not where it where it used to be yeah when you're uh, maybe giving some nutrition advice to just a normal everyday athlete. What's the kind of advice that you give them? Cause obviously it's going to be a little bit yeah. different than what even you're following now, yeah. you know, uh, like, so what's, what's the general advice you'll give? Eat real food. Um, like it's very hard to not like be optimized. And I say optimized cause like, op you know, you don't want to be like really lean. You don't want to be, you don't even carry around a bunch of excess weight. You like you want to be optimized. Um, eat real foods. You know, um, animals, vegetables, fruit, uh, good carbohydrates, um, healthy fats. Like all these things are really just going to fuel your body optimally. Mm -hmm. um, and prioritize protein. Like that's insanely important. I think priorities would go protein, fat, and then carbs in your diet. Um, protein. It's going to, you know, helps with like hormones and muscle repair, you know, maintaining muscle mass, which is always going to be good. And then fats also, they affect your hormones. And so if you're not eating enough fats, you're going to mess with your hormones. If you're not eating, or if you're eating too much fat, it's also going to negative, I guess it could potentially negatively affect you, kind of depending on like your carbohydrate intake, because a lot of people do like keto and it's not necessarily like 
the amount of fat you have to eat to have energy and keto is not necessarily going to be like ruining your like your your body composition or anything you can still mm. stay pretty lean but like not cutting out like all the fat because I've, I've, I've been in stages like trying to figure out what works well for me and i eat really lean like a lot of carbohydrates a lot of lean protein very very little fat like 70 grams of fat a day for a 200 pound man um and i don't think it was very good for like my, my hormone levels hmm Interesting, because I think whenever people consider nutrition, like the only metric they are thinking about it through is like how it affects their weight. Mm -hmm. Am I too overweight? Do I need to lose fat or whatever else? Um, but you know, you're mentioning hormones and everything else. So, what are some of the other metrics? And then we'll move on from nutrition after this. What are some of the other metrics that you take into account on like what is a good diet or nutrition plan for yourself or an individual, such as like you were saying before, hormones? Yeah. Um, I mean, those are big things. Like, uh, again, you want to be optimal. So, how how do you, you know, feel the best? Um, you know, a, a woman's diet can affect like her hormones to a pretty extreme degree. Um, you'll notice those things immediately. They can affect your sleep. Like, if you're not eating properly before you go to sleep, you know, whether it's like too much sugar or whatever, it can affect like actually how you sleep well. Alcohol, big one. Um, like I, I don't drink regularly, um, but every you know on Fridays or Saturdays I might have a glass of wine with my father-in-law. Even on those nights, I notice how it affects my sleep. Just with a glass of wine, I notice how it affects my heart rate. Um, mm -hmm. And so you know, wearing like a whoop, you kind of like notice those kinds of things. You see those trends. If you're drinking every night, you're not going to notice it. But you know, if it's the one-off, you can actually notice how those things will affect your body. And it's just like paying attention to what, how things make you feel. Um, I mean, after like competing for so long, eating so many different ways, eating so much, um, like you really notice how, how like things make you feel, um, yeah. not just physically, also like emotionally. Um, so the, like the, the thing that's worked well for me over the past few years has just been eat real food, eat as much as you need to be satiated. Um, the thing is, like, if you're eating real foods, lots of, like, meat, veggies, fruits, um, healthy fats, and good carbs, your body's not going to be craving, like, sugar all the time. It's not going to be craving, like, junk food all the time. And you won't be hungry. It's like, if, if like I say, prioritize protein. If you ever notice, like, after holiday meals, like, you're, you're still, like, hungry, even though you just know you ate, like, a ton. Yeah. But you kind of realize, you know, was my serving of like turkey or ham on my plate really that much? You also like so like you're trying to like fill this craving, but you're not filling it with like the, the nutrient, like the nutrition that your body needs. And that's like yeah. another like thing to mention is that a lot of people don't have a caloric issue; they have like a nutrition issue. So a lot of you know a lot of people they eat nutrient void foods, and their their body still needs that nutrition that they're not getting. So what does it do? It, like signals the body to be hungry. So it can get the nutrition it needs. So they eat more nutritionally avoid food. The body's still not getting the nutrition it needs. So they're still hungry. If you simply had fed your body with the nutrition it was looking for, you probably wouldn't be hungry anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Good stuff to think about. So let's talk about what it's like when you're um, in, in the moment competing at a really high level. So what is it like whenever you are 
like the, the internal experience um, be, whenever you are at the games competing. What is that experience like uh, on your body? What's it like on your mind? Yeah. Uh, you know, going that hard for uh, three or four days, whatever it is. Tell us what that's like. Yeah, it's been different year to year. Um, the first year I went, I was terrified. Um, terrified, lacked confidence, lacked knowledge, lacked experience. Um, and it was pretty rough physically and emotionally. I'd say it was more rough like on the mental side of things than it was on the physical side. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, the games was like a ringer. It's five days of you know competing. You were like a marathon. You're maxing out lists. You're just like tapping into so much adrenaline. I think that's one of the biggest things that like the constant tap into adrenaline really messes with like your physical and mental state. But um, yeah, that year was rough. My performance was bad, and you know, compared to the field, was bad, and mm. that that messed with me like mentally. You know, not really believing that I belong there. Um, you know, not not feeling like I was deserved to be there. Um, you know, still competing and be like, I don't deserve to be here. It's kind of not a great mindset to have when you're walking out on a floor to compete. Yeah. Um, and also not being thankful while I was there, you know, cause I'm so wrapped up in the performance of things Yeah. Uh, that, you know, you're not, you're not actually thankful to be for the gift that you got to get to be on that floor. Mm. 2021 was complete, completely different. Um, so every time you'd walk out on the field or on the Coliseum floor, take step onto the start mat, you know, it's just a sitting up a prayer like, thank you for letting me be here. Because um, this will maybe never happen again, you know. But that, I mean, the physical toll, we prepare for that. You know, yeah, it's like it hurts, it's hard. Um, but we prepare for that. The harder thing to prepare for is the mental aspect of like what you're doing to yourself and you know, how everyone else is like also kind of playing into your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What made the difference for you in the mental preparation and the way that you approached it from 2019 to 2021? Yeah. Um, I guess realizing what it felt like to come home from the CrossFit games in 2018, like it wasn't a good feeling. You don't really want to repeat things that give you a bad feeling, you know, um, and I, you know, I knew that the mental side of things was going to be something I needed to work on. I ended up getting a mental coach, like a sports performance coach from the mental mm-hmm. side of things who like really helped put things into perspective for me. And that was like a huge blessing in disguise. Cause I actually reached out to her for nutrition, but, um, she was able to kind of talk through things like why I felt this way, why I felt that way, like where where are these expectations coming from? Where's the pressure coming from? Most of it's internal. Like, you know, God doesn't care if I compete in the CrossFit Games. Like, he gave me a gift. And it's my, my duty to expand on those gifts. It's my duty to, like, work hard on those gifts. But, you know, anything I get in this life is his art, like, anyway. And so the success and the failure is shared. I think a lot of times, you know, we'll, we don't share our successes and failures with you know, the one who gave us the gifts to begin with. And you know, failures often turn out to be gifts anyway. Um, and so it's just like a kind of a flip and flipping a switch and a perspective of, you know, just the gratitude of having the opportunity to do the things I do. Um, and yeah, the 
like you want to perform well, you want to do well, you work really hard to get there. A lot of other people would really love to be there, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you can't be appreciative of what you're doing at the same time. Yeah. What do you? What did you learn from getting to compete alongside all the other, all these other men and women who are there who had made it as well, and then you know, especially some of the other ones who uh, went there year after year after year who were top 10, top five year after year. Yeah. Did you ever, just by getting to brush shoulders in on the competition floor, did you ever, what, what did you learn by uh, being around these other men and women? They're all just human. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're all just like us. They all, they all have like those same internal fears. They all mm -hmm. have those same anxieties, um, the same like self-doubt. A lot of the really good athletes have a lot of self-doubt, which is partially probably what drives them. They're trying to like just kind of get rid of that that doubt they have. Hmm. Um, like, you know, uh, the bit the biggest thing is like just the willingness to work hard. Every single one of those people is willing to just like they're willing to sacrifice. You know, willing to sacrifice time with family, willing to sacrifice like being present. Um, there's the the pain tolerance physical and emotional and mental it's pretty high mm -hmm. yeah yeah what is uh one last thing asking about the games before we move on yeah. uh what is like the 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 competition spirit like between the people who are there whenever you all are on the floor before an event after an event uh yeah. you know in the evenings whenever you're done like what what what's the uh what, what what are the relationships and interactions like yeah it's different like kind of athlete to athlete like there are some athletes who are very much like to themselves not really there to like talk to anybody um they're there for like their job they're for like to compete after the competition they're very friendly like everyone's i haven't met like games athletes who are just total jerks or anything um, but you can tell like some who are very like inside of the, inside themselves, like inside their own head when they're competing. And there's others who are, you know, they, they know maybe that they're, um, they're only there, they're like, they're there to appreciate the opportunity to be there and they, you know, they're friendly and they they talk and, um, until it's like time to start warming up everyone like keeps themselves when it's time to warm up pretty much mm -hmm. and uh you walk out on the floor compete after you compete it's high fives and good jobs so it's, it's a it's a cool community man um a lot of and this is like a community of individuals competing against each other who are you know pretty awesome towards each other and not a community of like a team who's competing for the same thing which is a little bit different you know yeah um so it's, it's kind of cool to be able to form that and be part of it yeah. Yeah. One thing I always appreciated whenever I watched some of the uh, like games documentaries from the last several years is the years that Josh Bridges was there, like in the documentary and they're like, you know, you're getting a little I know it's very surface level, but you're getting like a little surface level kind of uh, yeah. view of just the different personalities and so yeah. on. And every time the camera, like even if he's in the background or if he's at the at the front, getting like talking to the camera, like he's just having fun. Yeah. Like it seems like more than anyone out there, he's like he's laughing, he's joking around, you yeah. know, like after a workout while everybody's dying, he's the first one to go, Oh, that was fun. You know, and I feel like part of it is it has gotta be his military background. Like 
his experience put even though this is like a really high level competition is serious, like his background kind of puts it into his perspective, right? For sure. You know, whatever you've been in these extraordinarily high stress life and death situations. Um, and I think also you can catch a little bit of what you're talking about there. We're like, just thankful to be there. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's, I, I'm, I've only done a few competitions so far and that's the attitude that I've tried to have is like, I'm yeah. giving my best and I'm, I'm going to try to beat as many people as I can but just be thankful and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to keep putting in the work to go there. If you're not enjoying it while you're there, what's the, what is the purpose to put in that amount of time every year, that amount of sacrifice. If every time you go, you're just not happy. Yeah. Which is where I was basically what it was in 2018. I wasn't happy being there. And so I was like, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to waste this time. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that is uh, also unique about you as an athlete and the the real reason that I wanted to talk to you is that in addition to being an athlete, you're also a Christian and you've yes. got it. You know, uh, I, I know there's, there's a lot of other Christian athletes in CrossFit, but you also you've got it right there in your bio. And uh, so talk to us about your testimony, uh, how, you, how you became a Christian and uh, and, and so on. Yeah, I grew up in a Catholic household. Um, so it wasn't, there's was no conversion. It was just being raised in a disciplined household who held faith to be very important. Um, prayed before every meal, prayed before we went to bed. You know, we all knelt on the side of someone's bed and prayed together um, every single night. Church wasn't an option. This was like something we did. Um, and it wasn't something like we dreaded either. It wasn't like all the kids were like, oh, we got to go to church again. You know, something that we believed to be important because my father did a very good job of helping us understand the importance of religion and faith in your life. Um, it's like the one constant, right? There is only one constant in your life, and that is that there's a God who loves you. Um, and so, like, the older we got, the more we were able to appreciate it, and the more we understood from again from the explanations of our dad and our mom who just made sure we knew that you don't really get to go through this life without this you know mm. because the, the the alternative is not quite as fulfilling not quite as happy you know and um a lot of the things i've done i, I guess there's always been like a lack of belief in myself but there's never been a lack of belief in what God can help me do, what God can do through me, and realizing that he gave me these gifts, and that if I work on them, like, he can help me do good. Um, and I'm not the kind of person who outwardly reaches out to other people about religion. Um, I'm not, I don't frequently reach out to people to talk to someone about my religion or my faith. But as soon as someone opens that door, I'll talk to them more than they want to. You know, um, it's just it's it's important to me. It's a it's it's our reason for being. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think that a lot of people have a similar experience to you, where they grew up in a Christian household. Um, whether Catholic or Protestant. And so they never had like a 
um, a like dramatic conversion moment. Uh, but there is definitely a common experience where people go from, and I think this is a natural. We actually, we had a, a guest on the show who talked about this, just kind of like the progression of growing in faith, just the way it naturally happens from childhood into adolescence and adulthood. But one thing that happens is, uh, especially if you grew up in a Christian home, like I said, you go from having a faith that's primarily experienced through your family and through yeah. others. So primarily your, your parents, or maybe if you had like Sunday school teachers or, or uh, school teachers, and then you go in, into adolescence and then it's a young adulthood and typically somewhere in there between adolescence, young adulthood, you go from experiencing your faith through others to the way people describe it is um, now owning your faith is what they usually yeah. say, or where it really is something that is yours that you yeah. identify with in your core and not just through your family. Did you have a moment like that? Uh, or a yeah. time in your life where you feel like you went through that? I don't know if it was like a, a delineation. I think it was, I guess it was gradual. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, even whenever I wasn't praying with my family, I'd pray at night. I'd pray in the car, pray to myself. Um, and it's it became more of a reliance on the strength of something that wasn't internal inside of me. It was a, a, like a reliance on the strength of a God who loved me. Um, because I, I just, I, I guess I feel like I'm not really capable of much without him. Hmm. You know? And I, I don't know at what point I felt that way. Um, yeah. I don't know, you know, if that's, I don't, I don't really know the whole inner, like the, I guess though the workings of that, but I feel like without, without God, there's not much left to this, you know, skin and bone that's on me. Um, mm. well, like what is my purpose? What am I working for? Who am I working for? And, uh, I'm not here to do good for others and and expand on like what I've been given. Um, I don't know what I'll, I don't like. I really don't know what I'd be doing here. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, it just adds purpose to your life. Yeah. Um, like I, I like I, I feel like I don't know if I'm wrong or right. A lot of people go through like really hard times in their life, like tragedy. And then that one like anchor that holds them together, that one thing that like, gets them through, is that that relationship that they form with God. They have like that come to Jesus moment, whether they've been, you know, walking down the wrong path, doing things that were harmful to themselves or others or whatever it might be. They have that come to Jesus moment. Um, I haven't had any kind of tragedy in life. It's been, I guess, maybe more of a lot of little moments of. I need strength from something else. Mm -hmm. And you know, like he's always been there to lean on me, you know, and hopefully, you know, I don't know, but hopefully to work through me and make other people's lives better. Um, again, like, I don't know, I guess it's simply all, you know, the thing I think about the most is I've been given so much and for no other, like for no reason. Like, I didn't deserve anything I've been given, like my upbringing, my parents, like what they've done for me, the gifts I've gotten from genetics. And so I know, like, there's a reason for me to be thankful and there's something for me to do. And yeah. Someone to do it for. And, um, 
Like I know that that reason is God. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's in what you're saying that that's one of the values of, um, of what fitness can do. And, and really we could, we could expand it beyond that. But, you know, you mentioned how a lot of people, their faith becomes a lot more real or their relationship with God becomes a lot more real or they grow a lot closer to God when they go through times of recognizing their own weakness yeah. or recognizing their, their need and our modern comfortable lives, you know, almost everything about like our society today is designed to make sure you never get to that place to make yeah. sure that you stay so comfortable, so entertained, so taken care of and everything else that you never recognize like your need, your 100%. weakness, your vulnerability. Yeah. And so, I think it's so valuable for us to put ourselves in situations voluntarily because like you mentioned before, life can do it to you, Like you can yeah. go through a tragedy, a hard time that does it to you. And that's really, really difficult, but you can also do it voluntarily to put yourself into situations where you get a reality check. That's the way that I view my own fitness beyond any competing or any short term goals I have is that it's my daily reality check. Yeah, and you can do that through other ways. Like I said before, um, you know, and, and just challenge yourself, getting yourself into uncomfortable situations. I mean, responsibly, of course, um, that just yeah. put you in touch with reality—the reality of your weakness, your vulnerability, your need, how much you've been given. Like you said before, and all those things in and of themselves, you know, they're not like what you should be putting your faith in. The point isn't just to get there and recognize it. But once you get there, it can be a sign that points you to God. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's, you know, a, what, that's a beautiful perspective, actually, because um, I, I think that's a, that's a I think it's a little bit of an issue is that everyone seeks comfort. And we weren't really made to be comfortable. We were made to be like hardworking, diligent, disciplined human beings. Um, because that's the only way, again, that's the only way to develop your gifts. If you're constantly seeking comfort, like how are you developing the gifts that you were given? And to, to me, like my, I think like the central root of my faith, one of the central roots of my faith is, again, like the gifts I've been given. I've worked very hard to develop those gifts and to use them. Um, and I think that's what makes me so grateful for them and like to recognize that they're not mine. I just get to use them here. Um, and so I do those things that are really uncomfortable to make me use those gifts well to get yeah. better at those things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, we, you, you, we can apply that in so many different areas and, um, and, and go on on that for a while. There's a lot to unpack yeah. there. But another way that you are, you've used the gifts that God has given you isn't just with your physical uh, capacity, but also with your intellect by pursuing physics, medical physics, uh, becoming a scientist. But uh, you're also a Christian. And there's a lot of people who assume that you cannot be both a scientist and a Christian or that science and faith cannot interact, integrate at all. So you being a scientist and a Christian, what do you think about faith and science? I think they go hand in hand. There's no way around it. Um, like, 
I mean, it's a very simple argument. Like, there's arguments that kind of blend science and, uh, like, religion, faith together. Like, and to me, that's like the ultimate, like, creator. Um, like, the argument that I love and makes sense to me is if you had nothing, empty space, right? Um, actually, let's not even say empty space. If you had the world as it is. Um, would you expect out of given like infinite time and infinite energy input from just random sources, sunlight, you know, just thermal energy, the kind of random energy we have, would you expect any kind of like advanced machinery, say like a, a car to be built out of nowhere? Just like given infinite time to a car to like evolve. You just, like the obvious answer is no. Like the mm -hmm. car is so complex, um, it's got so many moving parts, so many joints, so many like bolts. A given infinite time, that thing, that that cannot be just created from no like intelligent design. A car is so much less complex than the human system. Like a, a living organism, like a single cell organism, is infinitely infinitely more complex than any functioning car on this planet. Mm. And so like with that argument, like what is the non-random input that created that, that snowball of evolution to create like the human, right? Um, like I can't wrap my head, my, like my head around a possibility that there wasn't some organization put in. And I mean, science tells us that things don't become more organized given infinite time, they become less organized and less entropy and less like energy is put into it and less organization, organization is put into it. You have mm -hmm. to put in work to create something organized. And so it's just, to me, I, I, maybe I'm not smart enough to believe that given infinite time, given infinite random, like randomization, that the atoms, molecules would just form together to create the first single cell organism, which would eventually create something so complex to be a human. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's a matter of intellect. I think it's a matter of faith, which one right. takes more faith, the, a belief in, uh, an intelligent being, which we would call God who, uh, creates and inputs this organization and this intelligence, like you said, or infinite time and energy, which one takes more faith to believe in. Right. And so, yes, yeah, essentially you're giving like an example of, uh, and I'm sure you're, you've heard this before, but like the Paley's watchmaker argument, a guy way back argued a guy named William Paley argued that if you came, if you're walking through a field and you, uh, came across a, uh, a watch and you picked up and looked at it, which one would you assume first that it just developed over time or that someone had made it and then dropped it there? And the obvious answer is that, well, you can tell a difference between a rock and a watch one shows signs of design. And so, uh, yeah, it's essentially what you're talking about there. You know, I saw recently someone, uh, it was like a page on Instagram or Twitter had posted this video of, uh, it was like a, a representation, a representation of what scientists, uh, believed had evolved into, I think it was a horse and it was like how whales turned into horses or maybe it was backwards. I think, or maybe it was something that went into the water, but anyway, and so it was like this cartoon of this, animal that was slowly changing over time and it was just it was it was wild to watch yeah. just a piece of 
absolute myth making. But anyway, I saw someone repost it and say, this actually made me lose my belief in evolution. <laughs> Which was, I thought was pretty funny. But, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, it makes sense that like physics, chemistry, biology, um, they all help to explain a creator. Now, what you do with that, like, to, I think where the faith really comes in and not the, like, the logic, the faith really comes in is, is does our creator love us? Does he give us purpose? Mm. Like, why, why did he put us here? That's where mm-hmm. the faith comes in. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so not just establishing an intelligence being there, but who is it? Who yeah. Who is it? Who is he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. Um, we're getting close to the end of our time here and I'd like to keep going down a lot of these different avenues, but we got to wrap up. And so, uh, I, I thought a good place to end would just be saying, you know, cause since we've talked about, uh, fitness and health a whole lot and you know, you've sort of shifted in your career from being a, uh, competitor primarily to being a fitness leader, really with what you're doing with Imam company and so on, yeah. what would you say to someone who is wanting to turn their health around um, or maybe starting a health journey and needing some inspiration and guidance? Uh, start small. Like, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be wildly uncomfortable. Um, it should be challenging. It should be different from what you're doing. Um, and if you want to, like, if you want to see change that's, like, sustainable, like, you have to keep working at it um you know there's been times since i started like exercising a lot where i've gotten overweight again or like where i've gotten weaker or i've gotten like my conditions like gone down these things just happen but like there's no reason other than like fear to like stop working like maybe this didn't work what's like i can try something different like do what you love like you can't be doing something that someone believes is just the best for you. Yeah. Um, and that's where like that time comes in. It's like, you find what you love and you find what's sustainable. Some people love running. Some people love cycling. Some people love, you know, being in the mountains, rock climbing. Like it just depends on what you love. Uh, cause that's, that's honestly what's sustainable. Um, and then being, finding that discipline. That's the hardest part is finding the discipline to continue. So, yeah, that's so good. Whether you're just starting or, or not, uh, that's all really good pointers. I recommend you guys like rewind a minute and a half again to listen through that once again, because those were all super, super good pointers that I need to hear as well. So Brandon, thanks a lot for your time, man. Really enjoyed this. Um, I'm going to have links in the show notes to Imam company. Uh, if people want to check that out, love what you guys are doing. I love the workouts. Um, I, I've told you before I integrate some of them into the other program I do. Um, how can people follow you and keep up with you? Um, with me or with the email company? Both. So I have an Instagram. Um, it's Brandon, Brandon M. Luckett or something like that. I don't really use it that much anymore. Uh, but the email company, we're pretty active on. Um, it's the underscore email underscore company. Uh, it's fun. It's a fun little project we're working on. We enjoy doing it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll have both those Instagram accounts links in the show notes so that people can give you a follow, follow Iman company 
and uh, and benefit from all that. But yeah, man, thanks a lot. Really enjoyed this conversation. Appreciate the time. Appreciate what you're doing. So thanks for joining us today on Filter. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. I hope this episode provided you with biblical clarity to live with confidence in our confusing world. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating or review. To catch up the latest from me, you can go to my website, aaronchamp.com. While you're there, subscribe to my newsletter so that you can be updated anytime I share new content. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Aaron M. Champ. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Until then, hold fast to the end.